Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Meg Lohman on the podcast. And before I bring her on and we have our chat, I want to give you a little bit of background. You know how I love National Geographic uh, authors and explorers and creators on the podcast and really help broaden the scope of the show and, you know, tap into those nerdy tendencies we all have. And if you have kids that listen, uh, you will not want to miss this one. Uh, So nicknamed the real life Lorax by National Geographic and Einstein of the treetops by the Wall Street Journal, Dr. Meg Lohman pioneered the science of canopy ecology. She has explored trees in Costa Rica, Colombia, Belize, Panama, Peru, Malaysia, Cameroon, India, Australia, and many other countries as the world's first global arbornaut, meaning treetop explorer, and serves as a tree ambassador to champion forest conservation. Dr. Meg Lohman is currently a National Geographic Explorer and also the director of Tree Foundation, leading tree research, education, and exploration. Please welcome Dr. Meg Lohman to the podcast. Hello. Hello. So nice to be here and speak for the trees. I love this. This is going to be super fun. This is, I've never had a, a guest on like this before. And uh, before we do jump into all things trees, I want to ask you, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh my gosh. Well, I wrote about it in my book. So now you're going to have to go buy the Arbor Nut. but believe it or not, Oreo cookies have saved my life many times. Number one, they are amazing. If you're up in a tree and you've exuded all that energy and you have a big water bottle, but you need a few calories, I have to say they've been mighty delicious. And even though I don't always share candy with indigenous kids, there have been times when an Oreo cookie is so exciting when I'm working in all of these villages and they would like to try what kind of food do you eat? Because you're a mom in a different country and so Oreo cookies have been kind of my ambassador ambassadorship food um, around the world. Wow, that's so fun. So anytime a guest uh, answers with Oreo, I ask, do you eat it whole? Do you eat sushi style or do you separate them? How do you eat them? Well, first of all, in the tropics, when it's about 90 degrees, the inside is very, very squishy. So I eat whole because if I did try to do something else, it would probably fall on the ground and the ants would love it and all that good stuff. But I'm still looking for a sponsorship from Nabisco to save the rainforest. So I'm going to turn to you um, (laughs) for that opportunity. I want you to do some homework and help me with this. All right. Well, Nabisco, if you're listening, Dr. Lohman is your gal. So, and you also can save the trees. So it's all for a good cause. So give her a call. (laughs) I'll do my best, uh, Dr. Lohman. So before we get jump in, how did you get into trees? Uh, before we jumped on, I, I mentioned I went to University of Tampa and you asked me about Bernie's pythons. So uh, you've always been probably very interested in nature, I take it. And so how did you 
get into trees and climbing? And did you do this as a kid? Tell yeah. us a little bit. I was totally your classic nerd kid. I was very shy. I loved the forest. I grew up in rural upstate New York, where, of course, there weren't movie theaters in those days, no internet. So I played outside after school, and I had one or two little girlfriends that allowed me to share my tree forts with them. But I really was that type of nature kid. I collected stuff. I put things under my bed. The mice came, and my mother got upset because... They loved all my bird nests and my little twigs and things that I stored <laughs> under my bed. And um, I never, I guess, looked back or maybe down that I did learn to love trees. And I think if you are a shy kid, there's something nice about nature. It doesn't speak back. It doesn't yell at you. You have respect in the forest and it's a lot easier than the playground. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't get bullied. <laughs> well, Trees and nature and, um, you know, it's always a hot topic uh, with just in the world. And so what exactly does a tree, would arbor not do? Well, uh, you know, this is amazing, but in the 1950s, scuba gear was invented and we coined that word aquanaut. In the 1960s, we went to the moon with NASA and astronauts became the flavor of the month. And it wasn't until the 1980s that I actually made a slingshot out of a piece of metal. I was a graduate student in Australia and sewed a harness with seatbelt webbing and borrowed some ropes from the caving club and became one of the world's first arbornauts, which is a word that means tree explorer. So Believe it or not, for over a hundred years, foresters only studied the bottom of the tree. When you think about that, they would walk through the woods, look at the tree trunk, and the only time they saw the top of the tree was if they cut it down. So somehow we had this really skewed knowledge of forests. And when I first went up a tree, oh my gosh, millions of things live up there. And when you think about it, of course, all the flowers are up there in the sun, all the new leaves are up there in the sun. So therefore all the insects are up there feeding and pollinating and all the birds are up there eating the insects and et cetera, et cetera. So it's this huge hotspot that we never even saw and yet it's kind of in our own backyard. So this was an overlooked part of science and uh, we coined the term eighth continent because it was almost as extraordinary as Columbus sailing to South America that we found the tops of trees was this home to over half of the species on the planet and nobody knew it until about 30 years ago. Wow, that's amazing. So I take it then you're not afraid of heights. I always say I have a respect for heights. It's probably good that I'm not too daring and dangerous, but I try to follow the safety rules, just like a bicycle rider. You have your helmet, you have your, you know, check your brakes and check your gear and in the way you go. But there's so much up there that I certainly overcame my fear of heights because my curiosity took over. So do you use like the spikes like linemen do on your boots to get up nope. or because that would damage the tree, correct? That's a no-no. And some people did Figured. use that long ago, but it was easily proven dangerous because it gives exposes the tree to bacteria and disease and things. Um, so never, never. And I try not even to touch a leaf I, because I study leaves and what eats leaves and how the tree 
makes energy from leaves. I'm very, very careful when I climb and trying to keep everything exactly the same as I found it. Right. So what is the tallest tree you've ever climbed? Ooh. So the three tallest trees in the world types are a, a group called the Dipterocarps, these amazing tall trees in Southeast Asia, which I have climbed. And then the redwoods in the Northwest of the US, which I have climbed. And then actually the snow gums in Australia, which is a kind of ash or eucalyptus tree. And so those three things all grow over 300 feet tall, if you can believe it. Um, but now in my older age, I let my students do most of that tall tree climbing, but they're fantastic and they're wonderful trees to climb. And we know next to nothing. Do you know more people have climbed Mount Everest than have ever climbed a redwood tree? And yet there they are growing in California and Oregon and Washington. It's just something that nobody ever bothered to do. Is it illegal to, to climb them? Do you have to have a special oh, permit now for probably oh, some protected ones? That's a great question. Cause yes, in many parks it is illegal and that's a good thing. Um, but plenty of people have them on their private property. And I think just nobody ever really thought about the fact that a tall tree is like a giant skyscraper. It's a condominium and all these cool people live at the top or cool species and nobody really ever bothered to explore it before a couple decades ago. Oh, wow. So with the trees and how, so how often so you don't climb as much now that you're older, you're, you're you teach the students, um, where have you been recently and how often do you travel? Like, is there a season that you go to? Obviously, Australia is opposite of where we are in, in America. So there's probably opportunity for you to climb trees all year round. Yeah. Well, you know, I did all my early work climbing trees with ropes and harnesses. And then at one point I realized, what if I want to take a whole class? What if I want to take young children into the canopy? Or what about ladies with walkers or strollers or whatever? So I actually designed a second method, which is called a canopy walkway or a skywalk. And those are fabulous. So you can go on those without any kind of fear of heights, I believe. And you can do it very easily. A lot of times the walkway just goes straight out on a hillside into the canopy of the tree. So that's a second method that I use all the time. I have one here in Florida about 10 minutes from where I live that's has a half a million kids visit it every year. It's so fabulous and people love it. So there are other methods that I still use. I don't climb as much just because walkways allow me to work with teams and collaborate, which is really good. And two other things, we have hot air balloons and we have canopy construction cranes. So they all are very cool. If you wanna look on my website, canopymeg.com, you can see pictures of all those things. So cool. with that, I go all around the world. I still sometimes use the ropes, but more often I do use these walkways because we're trying to build these in different forests around the world so that kids can do research so that local people, especially women and families in indigenous communities can get income from ecotourism. And that way they're not tempted to log the trees. So believe it or not, the canopy walkway is becoming a fabulous tool to save the forests, if you follow me, because it provides an economic benefit. If the people have one, they can use it to make money from the trees by keeping the trees alive. 
And that's why it's so important to teach our children about the trees and nature. And is that's what, and so is that one of your passions is teaching? Absolutely. My, I, my mantra on my website, you'll see it is no child left indoors. I feel it's very important that kids get out and see real trees and not just a computer screen. And what can be more adventurous and fun than going into the tops of the trees? It's a really wonderful way for kids to get a real sense of wonder and share something wonderful with their families. And so canopy walkways are becoming fantastic. Um, we have some in North America now. We have one in the Redwoods in California. We have one in Vermont, one in Ohio, one here in Florida. Um, and then we're building them now in these forests that are really endangered around the world, like Madagascar and the Amazon in India and some places where hopefully we can raise awareness about the importance of saving big trees. Absolutely. And so how did you become a National Geographic explorer? Because that's a really big deal. National Geographic, I think, is the top of the top, especially around nature and facts. I guess because I was the first global Arbornaut that might have given me a little bit of attention from National Geographic and also I have applied for grants from them over the years they have funded some of my work in Colombia and Ethiopia and now hopefully we're talking about whether or not we could partner on some of these amazing canopy walkways maybe someday you can get a passport from uh, National Geographic and Disney, who are partners to visit 10 canopy walkways. And when you do that as a mom and a dad or a child, you can even help save the forest. So we're really thinking hard about how can we use this treetop adventure to turn it into conservation. Right. And so what does it take to be a National Geographic explorer? I think you got to be adaptable and willing to have fun and willing to sleep in a tent, maybe with leeches <laughs> and oh. do nasty things, but fun things. And hopefully most of all, National Geographic, I think appreciates people who are curious and explore and ask questions and then share it with kids. My kids love National Geographic. My oldest, especially these uh, podcast episodes that I have fellow National Geographic authors and and explorers on, uh, I do it for them. Cause I think that it's super right. important to really nurture that, that appetite to learn. He loves his, his documentaries on Disney plus he watches them all. Oh, great. Well be sure to get the national geographic almanac for 2023, which just came out. Yes. And, uh, you sent me a copy. I have it. He's already taken it. As soon as I get a package from, uh, I, I typically get you guys all are so great and send me copies prior to our interviews. And I have a whole stack of like the thousand weekend getaways for national geographic and the, um, like the future. And I, so as soon as the almanac came, uh, from 2023, it had a, it has a leopard on it. Yes. I believe on the front and he snagged it. I didn't even get a chance to get it. I took a quick uh, photo for social media and I was, he's like, can I have it? And yeah, he took it on his room and he, and he read it. I have to laugh because I guess I'm the centerfold and it's my first time. Playboy never called me, but national, I'm, it, there's a sort of an open page feature about trees. Trees are the issue 
challenge. There's a challenge in there. I think it's like page 113 where the kids can send in this tree assignment. So have your kids do it. I think it'll be great. And um, I sent it to my kids because I was a single mom and my kids had to come with me to a lot of tree climbing in their little childhood. But I said, look, here's what happens now that I'm an adult. I get to be a centerfold in the tree, the National Geographic Almanac. <laughs> yes, it's a great book. Um, he stole that. I'll have to go find it because he has all of them stashed in his room and he loves them, fights over them with his brother and sister. And uh, but I know that he genuinely loves to read about it. So I'll go check that out for sure. And I mean, I can also do a shout out for Playboy if you'd like. I already did uh, Oreo. <laughs> but they didn't ask me. They never asked me to be a centerfold. So I guess I'll just stick with National Geographic. <laughs> right. Right. So yes, tell us a little bit more about that was going to be my next question about the, two, the 2023 Almanac Challenge, me as a tree. Yeah, so it is an assignment where kids have to be a tree. They write an essay about a tree. They can take pictures. They, the neat thing is that they're just going to go out and pretend they're a tree and think about what is it like to be a tree. So I think it might give a lot of families a good excuse to go to a park or maybe go just down the street and see if there are any trees on the side of the road. Anywhere, any place, there's a tree. Um, it might inspire a kid to write about it. And if you don't have any trees, um, I've certainly been to my share of deserts and places that have been cleared. You can imagine a tree. So that's fun too. Yeah, we have a lot. So I live in Austin and so we are covered in cedar trees and they make me sneeze. They make everybody cedar fever is what we call it. And I've learned, and I could be wrong, but I was told, I think the red ones are male and the green ones are female or something like that. And there's this big puff of stuff when Uh, they pollinate and that's what makes it yucky and hazy. Well, it's just, that's mother nature is doing her job. We just get in the way sometimes. Oh yeah. We have cedar fever real bad. It's like, horrible, but they're beautiful. And I also love the seed of the like evergreens. I love evergreens, like in the Northeast. Yeah, they're fabulous too. There are so many trees. There are over 50,000 species of trees. So you might have to take your kids on a global quest sometime to look at trees. I will. Um, so have you discovered you yourself, any species on your own? Absolutely. Hundreds, hundreds of species, because almost everything that I saw in the canopy over all my years, four decades of climbing, um, was a new species in so many cases. Now, sometimes I would write that up as a scientist and name them, but more often I would send them to museums because there are different museums that specialize in katydids or grasshoppers or lady beetles. And we all know in the world of science who to send them to the same way that, you know, you go to a Japanese restaurant if you want sushi and you go to a, you know, American restaurant if you want a steak. So whatever, whatever you just, we know in the world of science, which museums specialize in certain things. So a lot of my discoveries were named by other people, but I've certainly seen so many new things. And I can promise you for any kid listening, if you decide to be an Arbornaut, there will be millions of new species left. We think we've only discovered 10% of what lives in the top of a tree. So there's a whole bunch left for new generations of explorers. 100%. And do you have a favorite tree? I do. 
and it, I wrote this book called The Arbornaut, which just came out. And there's a children's book that's a partner with it called The Leaf Detective, by the way, which is written by a friend of mine named Heather Lang, which is really cool. But in The Arbornaut, every chapter I put my favorite tree for the place where I was having an exploration or adventure. And it started when I was a child with elm trees and when I worked in Australia with amazing, wonderful, giant stinging trees. But my favorite favorite is the fig tree. And the reason I love that is that's the ultimate mother tree. Those figs feed millions of creatures. They're found in almost every country in tropical and subtropical areas from India to Asia to Brazil to Florida. And they're just so cool. And this is my little womanly advice. The only trees in the world that are capable of starting at the top of the canopy and growing down, meaning the fig seed is pooped out by a bird on a branch. And then here's the seed germinating with full sun in beautiful water, rainfall, and then it puts its roots to the ground. It's so strategically smart. I always, when I teach women in science, I say girls, be like, think like the fig tree because it's very strategic and smart and even a little funnier, but some, some of those figs that do start at the top actually strangle their hosts too. I say, well, if you have a terrible male boss, maybe you can keep that fig in mind. But anyway, <laughs> you're going to have to get my book and read chapter six. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that, I was not expecting you to say that, but that's a, that's very interesting. You're, the fig tree is the most like motherly tree. Um, and being a mom yourself, your children, um, are they grown adults now? And do they have a passion for trees like you do? They do. And they did literally grow up climbing trees. They had little itty bitty harnesses when they were about four and five years old. Cause I mentioned like you, that I was a single mom. So I did literally have to take them on my field trips a lot of times. And, um, one of them works on clean energy and the other works on environmental health and the microbiome that lives inside of you. So they both love nature and love trees and, um, work on slightly different things. They're not tree scientists, but, um, they still have an amazing love for nature, which is great. I bet they have some fun facts that they share with their friends. Like, did you know it's da, 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 da. And I'm sure they have some real fun facts. Some funny stories about their mom too. Their crazy mom. <laughs> I know, but you know what? That shapes our, you know, that shapes our lives and what happens. Like my kids are eight, seven and five. So they're real young and watching what they're really into and trying to nurture that and let them, you know, gain as much as they can. It's, it's, I hope that they have good stories about me later. <laughs> they will. It is a great age, isn't it? They're like little sponges. It's so much. So good stuff and bad stuff. <laughs> it's like, oops. Ooh, I sound like that. Yikes. I should change my tone. <laughs> well, this was very interesting. And this was, um, this was a great conversation. I, I love nature and I, I always want to learn more. I'm, I'm that nerdy kid. At likes, I always watched like the weather channel when I was a kid and fascinated with weather. And, um, I love that my oldest loves, uh, national geographic because I'm able to, to watch it with him. And I learn a lot. And actually some of the things that he watches, I'm looking at him and she's like, he's it's too much. You can leave. I'm like, 
Oh, okay. I, I thought maybe it'd be too much for you with snakes eating each other, but it's fine. If, if he doesn't even blink an eye, he's like, oh, it's nature. I'm like, okay. So fantastic. Well, it, it is, is wonderful awesome. for you. Yeah. No, it's wonderful that you came over and shared your knowledge. Where are you off to next? So that's great. I am off to, um, I'm going back to Scotland where I did a work on trees years ago for a little bit in August, but my next big forest climbing trip is Borneo in September, which is in Asia. Of course, it's part of Malaysia area, north of Australia. And that's an area of the world where so much is getting destroyed because Americans buy palm oil. We buy shampoo and plastics and lotions that contain palm oil. And we can't do that. It's a terrible thing because the people over there cut down their big, beautiful rainforest to plant these palm oil plantations. So I'm going to a canopy walkway there in a research area and sharing it with some, I'm actually leading a trip for National Geographic, so it'll be really wonderful. But I just hope everybody can take a note, look at the ingredients of a lot of your makeup girls and a lot of our plastics and make sure palm oil or oil palm, however they describe it, is not part of the recipe because then you should definitely not buy it. So is that the the major one that comes from trees? Well, it is in Asia. For some reason, that part of the world, this palm that produces the oil grows easily when they cut the Asian rainforest down. They're starting to cut Brazil down to plant palm oil. The crazy thing about these palms is one generation and the soil is depleted. There's nothing left. They can't plant it again. So it's very short lasting, but the farmer makes a lot of money, or in this case, mostly the Americans who buy the palm oil make a lot of money manufacturing with it. But then the whole landscape is toast. It's finished, it's history, and nothing can grow there. So it's a really, really dreadful, dreadful thing for our planet to have these people in mostly in manufacturing buying palm oil to make products we need substitutes there are plenty of other substitutes so that's what we need to do as kids and families is be careful what we buy and make sure it's not a product coming from the tropical rainforests being cut down right i think that reading labels is so essential that's like with anything we we mainly read labels on like food and things that we're putting in our body, but putting on our body, or even I had someone on the show that, um, only, uh, uses clean products, um, in their home, like rugs and furniture and, sh- and because of all the chemicals and formaldehyde and things. So you didn't want that to touch your kids when they're playing on the rug. And mm-hmm. so it's very interesting to learn about how all these things affect, not just like food. Right. Absolutely critical. Yes. So that's a great take-home lesson. Yes. No, that was great. And on that, um, I would love to know more about where we can find you and keep up with you on all of your explorations. Fantastic. So if you go to my foundation website, treefoundation.org, sign up for the free newsletter. And then every couple of weeks, you'll get a little update about what we're doing to save big trees, 
where Canopy Meg is working and all that kind of stuff. And as I mentioned, you know, if you're a parent, you might want to read The Arbornaut or the children's book called The Leaf Detective. And those are all in my website too, that you can kind of get all the summaries from either treefoundation.org or my own personal site is canopymeg.com. And I do loads of school talks and have a lot of YouTube videos. So if anybody wants to learn a little bit more, you can go and access those. Well, thank you. And all those links uh, to all those places are going to be in the show notes for our listeners to easily access. And I strongly encourage them to go and check you out, Dr. Lohman. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk trees and educate us and, and let me ask all the things. Great. Well, such a pleasure. So go out and enjoy your trees or your seedlings or your bushes or whatever you have that's green. Oh, thank you. And thank you again to the listeners, uh, to listening to another episode of the chaos of cookies podcast, go check out Dr. Loman and all of her books and her children's books. And that almanac is fantastic. I'm going to actually go and try and find this after the interview is over so I can find that worksheet for my children. And, uh, we will catch you next time on another episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies. <laughs>